Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome into the Five Reasons YouTube channel. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. we got a full crew, and we've got 90 minutes with you here tonight. The Miami Dolphins are 7-3 and three going into their bye week. They're on a roll. Tua has gone from a guy who everybody – well, not everybody, but a whole bunch of people in the national media said was not fit for the XFL, uh, and now he's in the MVP conversation. So the three letters have changed – Quite a bit. Dolphins coming off a big win against the Browns, 39-19. to And the schedule is somewhat favorable going forward as well. So we're going to be with you for the next 90 minutes. I'm going to introduce everybody in a minute. There's going to be more people joining here. We want to take your comments. That's the big thing. We also got the Super Chat. If you send us money, we read your comment. That's how this works. So go to Super Chat and just send it in here and, uh, and take care of everybody here on the stream. But we also will be getting to some of your questions. We want your participation. We're sponsored here today by our friend Lewis Peters. You can find him at lewispeters.com. That's L-U-I-S peters.com. I just visited his office this week. This is where you go uh, if you're looking for insurance in the Miami area. He works for State Farm, uh, which is, again, the number one uh, seller in that space. You can get your life insurance from him. You can get your auto insurance from him, which I have. You can get your home insurance, your renter's insurance, all of that with our friend Lewis. Also, you can talk ball with him. I was in his office. He's got a got a Marino jersey. He's got a Tua jersey. He has the whole thing. I put it up uh, on my Instagram. He has some. He has a Ricky Williams signed jersey in the back. So he's a huge Dolphins fan. Uh, reach out to Lewis at 305-275-5585. But actually, the easiest thing to do is to just go to Louis Peters or LewisPeters.com and just uh, and reach out to him there. It's 24-7 access. Walk in, call in, click in. Personalized service tailored to each customer. I can tell you, I sat down with him about life insurance this week. And, uh, and he's basically like, look, he's like, look, this may not be the best deal. And if you want to go look somewhere else, he's honest. He's not going to try to sell you something 
just to sell it. Reach out to our guy, Lewis. Also, he has a striking resemblance to our guy, Alfredo Arteaga. I actually took a photo of the two of them at Dolphins Camp uh, just to prove that they actually are two different people. So Alfredo is going to be joining us here on the stream uh, shortly. Let me get to the crew. Speaking of the man, the two below me. Look at this. This is like Hollywood Squares. Uh, we've got Hussam Patel on my right as I'm facing this, but on their left as you're, as you're looking at it. I follow Ben Hussam Patel. We got Eric Wadicki. You can follow Ben Eric Wadicki. He made it easy. We got Jacob. Uh, he did not make it easy because you got to follow him at Finn's Dynasty on Twitter instead of his actual name. Uh, we've got Andy. You can follow him at Godin Marino in, in honor of the second best quarterback in Miami Dolphins history. We've got Michael Quirk, SJB Michael. You can find him there. And then we've got the Louis Peters lookalike, Alfredo Arteaga, who you know from three yards per carry. Also going to be joined by Alex Dono as we go forward. Louis Sung is producing right now, but he's going to be speaking to you by himself, a fireside chat starting at about 6.30, and then at some point we'll be joined by Troy Stratford. All right, let's get to it. We're going to play the expectations game from the very beginning here. Seven and three on the season. I will go to Eric here first. You went into this year thinking at this point they would be what? Boy, I mean, considering the way that the schedule has played out, I mean, sure, the first four games were pretty tough, but I think everybody kind of – even before the beginning of the season, locked in on on this three-game stretch and even Houston after the bye and said, you know, the Dolphins could be six and four, maybe seven and three. Uh, I didn't think they would do it this way, uh, but I think six and four, seven and three was actually about right going into uh, midseason. Michael, we looked at the AFC before the year and there was a consensus that the AFC West was loaded, right? Like that there were going to be four playoff teams out of the West. Looking back at it now, the way that Russell Wilson has played, the way that the Raiders have imploded, uh, that has not turned out right. But even with that imploding, there have been teams in the AFC have been better than we anticipated. The Bengals are worse, uh, but the Jets are better. The Steelers are worse, okay? But again, th there are other other teams. The Titans are still playing reasonably well. Um, Jacksonville's been more competitive than people expected, I guess. Uh, when you look at the Dolphins' place in the AFC, at this point, if they don't get a wild card spot, you will feel what? Or better, since they could. Since right now they're leading the division, and we obviously uh, know Buffalo's got some injury issues there. Yeah, the Dolphins absolutely have the ability to win this division, and I would be shocked at this point if the Dolphins don't find their way into the playoffs. They're seven and three. Typically, what we see is if a team gets to ten wins, even in the seventeen-game era, uh, that bodes pretty well for getting into the playoffs. Strange enough, the Dolphins a couple of years ago, uh, one of the few teams at ten wins. Didn't make the playoffs, but they have a good chance to get to 11, 12 wins. That should see them see their way into the playoffs. But you're right. You look around the AFC, and you thought that the Chargers were going to be a lot better. You thought that the Raiders, everyone said Josh McDaniels, going to change things out there. Devontae Adams, look at that. They're nothing. They're historically bad. Could be Josh McDaniels' only time out there. Uh, you have the Broncos. It's well documented. Nathaniel Hackett, absolute disaster out there. No one in the AFC South is is really someone who would strike fear into you. The Colts are obviously far worse. Texans and the Jaguars and the Texans and the Jaguars. The Titans are really, really missing A.J. Brown. So if you look at the AFC, the, there's four teams who can win that conference, in my opinion. It's the Bills, it's the Chiefs, it's the Ravens, and it's the Dolphins. One of those four teams can win it, and the Dolphins are squarely in the mix because I don't think – the Dolphins even, they've already beaten the Bills. They've already beaten the Ravens. I don't think that they look at the Chiefs and say, that's a demonstrably better football team. So 
halfway through the year and squarely in the mix. Andy, give me the prescription for the Dolphins to go further in the playoffs than the Bills. Does it require home field advantage? Do they have to win the division? I, I think Andy's frozen. Are you talking to me? Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> You ask that question one more time. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying, give me the prescription for the Dolphins to advance further than the Bills in the AFC. Do they have to win the division? Do they have to have home field in that game? In my opinion, they definitely do. The key this season to make that Super Bowl push that this team is capable of doing, you have to play playoff games at the Hard Rock. You especially cannot play playoff games in Buffalo. I'm still traumatized. The last five, six years, it's been a horrible showing every time Dolphins show up in Buffalo, blowouts everywhere. I'm okay with playing in Arrowhead, mind you, rather than playing in Buffalo. You, you have to have home field advantage. You have to take advantage of the hard run, for sure. So to that point, Usam, they make everybody talks about the Chubb acquisition. They make the Jeff Wilson Jr. acquisition. They've been looking for a physical back, right? A north-south runner who's going to get the yardage that is there. Does that change that dynamic? We talk about going to Buffalo. Everybody's going to talk about Tua and whether or not he can throw in those conditions. But they have like a legitimate running game now with like a guy who seems like they could actually hand him the ball 15, 20 times up there and be successful. I I, I honestly, in, in my opinion, I wouldn't call it just a legitimate running game just yet. And, you know, Alf and I talked about it in um, our deep dive, our tape dive as well. The Browns' defense was the 32nd-ranked rush defense in the NFL. They were going to be successful up against this Browns' defense. Now, the Wilson acquisition, I will say, it gives them a power back since the likes of Jay Ajayi. Mm-hmm. He will give you those hard-earned yards. And, I mean, it makes it so much easier for the offense to be balanced. And, honestly, it makes it easier on Tua Tungabailoa. He doesn't need to throw for 40, 50 yards a game, kind of like what Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been doing. And you talk about trying to make a playoff push. Teams that run the ball well go deep into the playoffs. And I've been talking with Alpha about this, and I know we, we talk about it in our different chats. The run game will get much, much better as the season progresses. And this was the game up against the Browns to get it going. And honestly, I'm kind of excited to see it, um, this this version of the Dolphins offense because it's going to look more like the 2019 49ers who made a run to the Super Bowl and played it, uh, against the Chiefs. Jacob, when we, we talk about the expectation game, you, you got a first-year head coach here. Um, that head coach has dealt with some adversity already. <laughs> Spotters ruling his quarterbacks out for no reason. Uh, and, and other things along those lines. But the expectation game changes now when they're 7-3 and three at the bye. And we've seen that Mike McDaniel has had some issues, and not with game planning, but with like game management type stuff, clock management type stuff. How confident are you in him as a first-year coach to kind of guide them the last seven games and into the postseason? Um, I think the evidence of of the of Mike McDaniel overcoming adversity is definitely there. the 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 aspect of him managing games or clock management has been has been noticeable. The the struggle to do so so at certain points in the game. Um, he's a smart guy. He's able. He's 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 a Yale graduate. I'm going to milk that forever. Um, I, I think that he has the ability to fix that. Um, of course, he's a rookie head coach. 
And you are going to have some weaknesses as a rookie head coach. You're not going to have 100% of the strengths. And the weaknesses that we've seen uh, so far this season, I would say, have been clock management, game management at some points, going forward on fourth down when maybe you shouldn't have gone forward on fourth down and taking the uh, field, the go-ahead field goal. Uh, of course, hindsight is 20-20, and a lot of those fourth down um, tries that Miami has done this season have panned out. A lot of them, ha- uh, not a lot of them, but some of them have not, um, and fans have gotten angry at some of the decisions he's made. But coming off of the bye, I, I, I think um, – it's going to be or the, the Miami Dolphins are going to have to rely a lot of their veteran leaderships and a lot of um, people that have been there before because this is a, still a very young team despite all that veteran acquisitions. Um, but the leadership is going to have to stay. You, you saw the mic'd up with Tua. Um, he's he's slowly becoming that leader. Um, there, he's he's shown a lot of signs of, of that kind of leadership. Um, so as long as that leadership is in the locker room, as long as this team won't implode for three or four or five losses in a row. Like, like, like last year, last year was like seven losses in a row. As long as that, um, as long as that doesn't happen um, and the leadership is there, I think coming out of the bye um, should be um, should the Dolphins should be able to pick up where they left off. Alfredo, you said before the season that Mike McDaniel had legitimate expectations because of this roster, that, that this was, it was a, this was a playoff roster essentially from the start. Mm-hmm. That roster has been reshaped somewhat. You you don't have Byron Jones. You probably won't have Byron Jones. I, I think at this point we've got to assume that's pretty close to a Will Fuller situation. We I know I know you're shaking here. Maybe we will, but it doesn't look great right now. Okay, um, you filled in with him with a rookie undrafted guy and who's played pretty well. You've lost other depth in the secondary. You don't have Agba now and he wasn't really accomplishing a whole lot this year but you've brought in chubb to replace him okay you seem to have upgraded the running back spot and now we see what two has become so has your expectation level increased at this stage from even where it was at the start of the season when you said this was a playoff team first year coach or not first year coach yeah it's pretty much remained the same because on our podcast uh i believe uh the only guy who had more wins than I did was uh, was Chris Kaufman. He said twelve and five. I said eleven and six, but they were losing the AFC Championship game. I still think that's true. Um, I think Simon had him ten and seven and winning a playoff game. Uh, you talk about the AFC West, and as everybody's gotten worse, the Dolphins have gotten better. And you talk about the AFC West. George Stoyer, who covers the Denver Broncos, in my opinion, has the best tweet of the week. Uh, he was at Nathaniel Hackett's uh, availability, and Nathaniel Hackett today said somebody's got to win this game on Sunday because they're playing the Raiders. And George Stoyer t- tweets out, I'm now convinced this game is going to end in a tie, <laughs> which is which kind of tells you the state of the, of the AFC. You look around, and it's a numbers game. You start counting the teams, and you realize, wow, you know, like you wish you would have had this two years ago. Uh, I remember two years ago they won 10 games. They missed the playoffs. People forget what happened the weekend before that last weekend in Buffalo. There was seven games, four of which they needed to go one way to for them to be uh, essentially just clinch uh, that week before going to Buffalo. All seven games went against them the week before. This year it's been completely different. Everything's breaking their way, including where they're in first place with seven games to go, and they got – one Patsy left, and everybody's talking about that, that trip out west. Well, you know, they're going to play in perfect conditions out there, okay? It's uh, – as if you check the, the 
the weather for San Francisco two weeks from now. It's looking pretty good. SoFi is indoors. So they're going to have good conditions to play their game. So they have every opportunity to make the playoffs. Playoffs is not is not the the end all be all right now. I think they right have now, a what ninety one percent chance of making the playoffs after winning up against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, now there's more expectations. Way. Now the expectations are you're in first place. Keep them, keep it. Let's while the Bills, it. while the Bills are kind of imploding and their quarterback has a serious injury that's going to get worse and worse. Take advantage of it and hold on to this this spot and the home playoff game. All right, we're going to do this one rapid fire. I'm going to go uh, Hollywood Squares. I'm going to start with Eric, and we're going to go down to Michael, uh, up to Alfredo, then to Andy, Jacob, and Hussam. Biggest upside surprise on this team for you? Don't need a long explanation. Just give me a name. Biggest <sighs> upside surprise for you on this team this season, Eric, is? Tyreek. It's I, He's historically good. He's We didn't think he'd be, like, MVP conversation good. Michael? For me, it's Robert Hunt. You knew they had the physical traits, but you're seeing the mental game really, really catch up. He's making a lot of smart plays out there. So I feel like last seen that. Alfredo? Connor Williams. Before the season, everybody was talking about, oh, you know, what what the hell are they doing? This guy was a borderline pro bowler at left guard. What are you doing moving to, moving him to center? It seems they were mm-hmm. right because now he's going to be a pro bowl center. Andy? Uh, for me, Cater Kahu. They didn't even know who he was before preseason. Now he's saving the season. Perfect. Uh, perfect. Hugh agrees with you here. Jacob. Mute. <laughs> sorry. Usab, sorry. Go. Usab, go that. No, Jacob. Go, 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 go. We, you know, we, we need to have a pool on this. Who's first doing that? Because usually it's me. So I appreciate I'll, you, I'll take you stepping I'll take in my place tonight. for this this time. Go ahead, Jacob. Um, I'd, I'd agree with Rob Hunt. The offensive line has been um, exceeding my expectations so far this season. I hope it stays that way. Hussam? Trent Sherfield for one. Um, I didn't expect him to be wide receiver three. I was expecting Azukama to come on strong. I mean, he can catch, he can block. He's been clutch in critical situation, and Tua definitely trusts him. All right, we're going to go the other way on this one. Biggest downside disappointment this season, Hussam? We all have the same answer. Jason Sanders for sure. Um, I, I know Lewis has some insight on that, but uh, if we're going to the playoffs, he's he's going to have to make some. Lewis, kicks. go away! I know what you're going to say. <laughs> that Jason Sanders is going to have to make some kicks to you know keep us alive in the playoff hunt and in the playoffs once we make it. Does anybody have an answer other than Jason Sanders? Chase Edmonds. Okay. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, he kind of dropped his chance. No, anybody, anybody who's still on pass the pass defense. Come on, guys, the passing defense. Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson. Yeah. Cedric Wilson. Yeah. So that's more an opportunity than performance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if we're going to talk about Sherfield the way he's played, then that that's kind of the reason for it, right? Like somebody else stepped up. I I, I thought I would surprise nobody said for biggest upside surprise just the fact that he hasn't been completely incompetent. I thought some was going to say Noah, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. I mean, he could walk and chew gum at the same time, but now he's actually out there. I mean, yeah, you know what's odd about Noah Benogany is that his, uh, it, you know, his sample is this is probably the smallest right now, next to Justin Bethel, but he has the second best coverage numbers on the entire secondary behind Javon Holland, so he could always hang his hat on what he did against the Steelers. 
All right, let's go. We're gonna go back around uh, with some more more rapid fire uh, here right now. Uh, in your view, right now, Eric Tua is a top blank quarterback in the NFL. Five, top five. Michael, I'm trying to think of the guys I'd take above him. It's not a ton, so I, I guess I'd say top five, top six. Alfredo, if it's this season, he's a top two quarterback. Only Mahomes is better. Okay, there we go, uh, Andy. I guess he's top three, but I'll probably put him over Allen right now based off the turnovers. So top two, I agree. Jacob? Um, I agree. I'm i going to have to agree with Alfredo. I tweeted this like after the Eagles lost. Top two. Hussam? One of one. <laughs> Do you want me to explain? Go ahead. You know what? You can take it. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Mind if I share my screen? I mean, go ahead. This is, a, I mean, as long as there's nothing on it that we can't put on YouTube, go ahead. You can go ahead and put this on YouTube. Through 10 weeks of NFL play, Tua Tungavailoa is the most efficient quarterback in all of the NFL. He's got the best EPA, top two in success rate, completion percent over expected is at least 70%. He's making tight windows throws. He's throwing with anticipation. He's throwing with accuracy. Better than Mahomes. Better than Allen. Better than Justin Herbert, who everybody has claimed to have superior arm strength. But Alf, as we know, arm strength is not about throwing the ball 500 yards deep. I just can't get over where Geno Smith is on that list. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm looking. I know the two number is ridiculous, but I just I can't get over that. All right. Remember, guys. Three P's: protection, play caller playmakers and presentation on YouTube. Like you just did. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, I want to start with Jacob on this one since I let you go a little bit longer on that one. Characterize Xavier Howard right now in like one word, his season. Is, is he still elite in your view? Um, he, He's had some lapses this season. Um, I think people, I, don't know, I can't do this in a word, but I, it's too too. Yeah, so that was, that was probably asking too much. But it's characterizing okay. the season, I I think that there 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 are most of the time that he locks down defenders and people don't talk about him as they did not talk about him. He's doing his job and he's doing his job great. But there are certain times where he lets up touchdowns and he 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 lets up some big plays. He he I think he did have that forced fumble, but inconsistent. I'd say maybe that was one word. Um, some 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 games he's great. Some games he's he plays poorly. I don't know. I don't, I'm curious to see what else other people think. Uh, we'll go to one more person on this because I want to get to another question on this. Michael, your view of his Avian Howard season? Yeah, unfortunately, I'd also have to agree with Jacob on that. With inconsistent, there's there's a lot of times where your corners you want them like your offensive line. If you don't have to say their name a lot, it's because they're not a problem. And there are a lot of games where teams are just refusing to go to that side of the field. Uh, and then there's sometimes where I don't want to say other teams eat, but uh, that that he gets beat a little bit. So you want to see a bit more consistency from him. And part of that's not his fault, given how much has happened to that secondary and how much he's having to cover there. But, yeah, you definitely want some more consistency from him. All right. Uh, Andy, we're going to come back from the bye, and we're going to learn that, that one of these two players is out for the season. Okay? He got in a, a, a – uh, a jet ski accident in the Bahamas. Okay. I don't know. 
one of the one of these two guys, okay, is out for the season. Taron Armstead or Tyree Kill. Which could they survive? You can survive Hill, I think. You cannot survive Armstead. You know, you you, you have reinforcements at wide receiver. You do not at all. Alfredo, you agree with that? Uh, I disagree. Uh, as good as uh, Teron Armstead has been, uh, Tyreek Hill's gravitational pull is the best in the sport. Uh, I was asked uh, yesterday, um, I forgot where, but I was asked, you know, who's the best? Because uh, I guess they were expecting me to say Tyreek Hill. Who's the best wide receiver in football? And I said, no, it's Justin Jefferson. But Tyreek Hill has the best gravitational pull. Uh, he makes part of that offense really, really go. Uh, and you can see it on tape every single week. I think they could survive a short stretch without Teron Armstead because they could game plan around it, even though he's been absolutely spectacular. Usam, break the tie. Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's obvious in the passing game. It's obvious in the running game. While, while Teron Armstead is probably one of the most important pieces on the offensive line, you can have Austin Jackson back. And we know with Mike McDaniel, he's an offensive guru. He's got – really good, high-quality offensive line coaches as well. Tua's not getting sacked. He's not getting pressured at the same rates he was last season. He's getting the ball out quick. I think he'll be fine without Toronto Armstead. Yeah, and it's also and also should be noted that the one game that Toronto Armstead left after eight snaps against the Jets, they just said they just pointed at Brandon Shell and told him, hey, you play left tackle. And he had to go up against a pretty good pass rush, and he actually played one of his best games of the year at left tackle. So – yeah, I, th- they, I think they could survive a short stretch without Toron Armstead. Tyreek Hill changes too many things. I actually agree with Andy on this one, but that's okay. But I'm, I'm not going to get uh, deeper into my opinion on that. Eric, um, let's go to this one. If, uh, if, I, I, if I was to say to you, uh, you know, today that – nah, I'll go a different direction with this one. I'm sorry. Uh where was I going with that? See, this is what happened. Like, <laughs> Lewis, Lewis, come rescue me. I, ha- I had this. Oh, no, Mike Kosicki. No, Lewis, go away. It's a Mike Kosicki thing. Go ahead. Uh, Eric, Eric, do you do you think that Mike Kosicki has shown enough this year that you would anticipate he will be back with this team next season? No, I, I don't think so. And it's, and it's really just more about the price that I think he's going to command on the open market. The price that he's going to be worth to other teams is just not going to be what he's worth to the Dolphins. Uh, in this offense, he's he's been, frankly, a little bit better than non-existent, which a lot of people thought he was kind of going to be in this offense. Uh, so, you know, credit to him on that. But just the other tight ends they have kind of fit what they want to do a little bit better. Jacob, what do you think? Is Siki back next year? Uh, unfortunately, I'd have to agree with, with Eric. I, I really like him as a person, and I like his, his what he brings to the Dolphins um, in terms of personality and leadership. But I just don't think you do a cost analysis. He's not he's not making his money. He won't make his money if we pay him either, unfortunately. And I will say, and I'll say, and I'll say something about this because CK did some digging on this. Uh, you know what the narrative is: uh, Mike Kosicki can't block, right? Well, an eleven personnel meaning when he's the lone tight end, they ran twenty-one times for five point four yards per carry this year. Okay, in 21 personnel, which means that Ingles in the game and he's the lone tight end. Mike Kosecki is the lone tight end. They've run 16 times for 4.5 yards per carry. So that really hasn't you know materialized either. He's actually blocking better. He's actually blocking good. The problem will be, as Eric said, he won't be here because he'll be expensive. 
That's it. It's as simple as that. Now, if he he's willing to give a hometown discount, I'm sure they'll entertain, <laughs> they'll entertain that. But who does that? Nobody. So he'll be elsewhere due to money. Uh, let, let's go to. I'll start with you, Andy, on this one. Uh, Chris Greer is a guy that a lot of people wanted fired uh, before this offseason, right? Twenty years he's been in the building. It's kind of like you know he's the roach who survived. Like how is he still there when there's been so much? No, I'm seriously. How is he still? We're mentioning a lot of guys here that he picked up that are playing pretty damn well for them from undrafted free agents who are starting at corner to Jalen Phillips, you know, coming on this year to we haven't talked about Javon Holland at all, who, who might be the best player on the defense right now. Uh, rate, uh, g- give me a grade for Chris Greer right now. Right now, like this offseason or over the last? Well, I mean, I mean, your your confidence level in him. At this point, oh, I have I'll have him definitely as a, as a top ten general manager in the league. I I love what he's been able to do. I know people will go back to what he's done or what the Dolphins have done since in 2012 and 2013, whatever. But he wasn't the head guy during those times. Did he have a voice? Did he have impact? Sure, but what he's done since he was the number one loan decision maker, or at least the the role of G of GC, I'm very confident. Confident. Confident in his decision making. When he makes a trade, I'm not gonna flinch and thinking, oh, he got he got toasted on that one. Quite the contrary, he performed one of the greatest trades of the last five or ten years when he traded that number three pick and it turned into Waddle, Hill, Chubb. So I'm very confident in his ability going forward. So I'll go. To, I got another question for Michael related to that. But before I do, Alfredo, uh, since I think you're the oldest one here, along with me. Uh, the the impact of Tyree Kill compared to the impact of Ricky Williams in his first season, very very similar. Uh, uh, the only difference is that this is a passing league, and uh, Tyree Kill kind of fits what they want to do better. Uh, back then, the league was transitioning toward a passing league, and you essentially added a guy that made you the best running team in the league. You know, but you know. You still needed a quarterback, but their their impact is almost identical, I would say. Hopefully it doesn't end the same way. Because I was I was in New England when North Turner decided not to put the ball in Ricky Williams' hands and uh, have Jay throw it three times to Chris Chambers with Terrell Buckley guarding him over the middle, uh, and none of that ended up working out. Um, Michael, one thing you would like to see Chris Greer do better? Well, he did something that not a lot of GMs do, and that's admit – that they're wrong, which he did, of course, with Chase Edmonds. Of hey, I thought this was going to fit. It didn't fit. Gone. We're going to upgrade immediately. So cut bait quickly. So I really like to see that. Uh, the the only thing that I would really criticize Greer for at this point, and it, it there's a lot of different stories about how this actually shaped out, but is being confident in Tua and riding with Tua with you know the pursuit of Watson, the pursuit of Brady, and so forth, of just knowing what a lot of us outside of the organization seem to know about offensive line was an issue, play calling was an issue. If you get these things fixed, he can be a tremendous quarterback. Um, but in terms of what he can fix in terms of player personnel, really the only place that the Dolphins are, are thin at, it's because of injuries. It, there's there's not much more you can do there, uh, you know whether it's the secondary, whether it's um, whether it's some of the issues they've had along the defensive line. So 
for me, there, there's not much more he can do at this point, <laughs> given what they they have in salary as well as the lack of draft picks. There's not a ton you can do moving forward anyway. You know, I think this is the first time I've been on a show with Troy Stratford since 2008, I think, What's right? It's been a long time. It's been 14 years since I've been on a show with you. Wow. We, we, were, we, we, were, we were doing it in a closet uh, over in, uh, over in uh, and, as Andrews in Cypress Creek. No, was it 640? 850. One of those three-letter code words where we didn't get paid. Uh, Troy, let let me go to this. I'm going to throw this one at you because we haven't talked a whole lot about this. We've been going all all over the place. Again, Troy Stratford, uh, former Rookie of the Year and obviously former Dolphins running back uh, who's with us here at the network now and hosts uh, hosts the Extra Yard with Alex Dono, who's going to be joining us here shortly uh, and every Monday. Uh, Troy, your confidence level as someone who was a running back, obviously, in this offensive line, Winning, doing what they need to do to win big games uh, in the playoffs, especially if they're on the road. Uh, what we on a scale of one to ten, I'll go. I'll go a seven. This offensive line has been performing well the last couple of weeks, and now that they have a different set of running backs, a different scheme. It's not like they have to hold on to blocks for a very long time. And I can remember times being in huddle, whether it was in college or with the Dolphins, whatever, just asking my offensive linemen, just just lean your body on them. Like, you don't have to stay with them for five seconds. Just give me enough to get by him. And I think that the Miami Dolphins right now, they've shown the last couple of weeks that they can hit you two three different ways when it comes to running the football. And I think that's a plus for the Miami Dolphins. Again, I think that's just like to a defensive coordinator, you're sitting there saying, oh, my goodness, now they have a running game. What do we do now? Before it was like, okay, we could lay back a little bit and try and get some of these slant passes, the middle of the field. But now the Miami Dolphins, I think they have at their will – Second down and five. What are you going to do? Third down and two. What are you going to do? I think the Miami Dolphins, they have just a smorgasbord of a menu where they can do whatever they want, and they are dictating to defenses as opposed to defenses putting the pressure on them. Let's pivot off of that a little bit because we talk about dictating to defenses. Uh, One of the things we – touched on a little bit here is McDaniel's aggressiveness, right? Going for it on fourth down all the time, essentially pretty much every circumstance, as Jacob mentioned, sometimes it's worked. Sometimes it hasn't worked. I'll start with Troy on this. Can you be that aggressive when the games are tighter and they matter more? Ooh, that's a good question. When the games are tighter, when you're not comfortable in that ball game, when you have a lead of six points, nine points, it's a great question. I'm going to have to see how this plays out, but from what we've seen so far, the blueprint is to be aggressive. Everyone in their mindset is, hey, I can see them now being in a meeting room on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and they're sitting there going over the game plan, and they're sitting there saying, okay, we're faced with this situation right here. Second down and seven, what are we going to do? We could do this or we could do that. And this is where it's key that the Miami Dolphins have the bye week right now because bye week, the beginning of it, 
is all about, it's, it's predicated on self-evaluation. So the scouts on the Miami Dolphins, the coaches on the Miami Dolphins, they're sitting there saying, all right, what have we done well so far? What have we not done well so far? And they get rid of the bad plays. They kind of double down on the good plays. And I like a comment that Coach McDaniel made earlier, a couple weeks ago, when he talked about that play that Tua had three reads where he hit Kosicki in the, in the end zone for the touchdown. He said, we called that play, and we knew. He said, we knew that we had the first option. He didn't say first option, but he's like, we knew we had it. Well, the defense took that away. And for the Miami Dolphins to be able to go to the next step and the next step, that's just more dangerous when it comes to that offense. So the Miami Dolphins right now, I think they're sitting there with a full deck of cards and it's their game. It's up to them, whatever they want to do. Now Ethan's muted. Okay, now I have to add to the pool. I'm sorry, it's not just Jacob who's throwing a buck in. All right, let's uh, let's. It's like a swear pool. Uh, Hussam, and I'm afraid I'll go to you guys on this. So, with what Troy's talking about here, which is essentially the whole menu is available to them. They, they, as you talked about, Hussam, the running game is getting better. Not, not there yet where you can count on it all the time. Obviously, two has been incredibly efficient. Nine touchdowns, no interceptions, the last three games. If you were a defensive coordinator right now, what would you try to take away? What is the Achilles' heel of this offense? Alfie, you can go ahead first. Uh, if I was going to try to take anything away from from the Dolphins, uh, I think you got to take your chances and just play a two deep shell, maybe quarters, and then you know just try to take away everything intermediate and you know just flood the intermediate zone and just rally and tackle short. Like there's not much you can do against this offense if it's actually executing. So I'll try to take away what they do absolutely best, which is all the intermediate passes. Like that's what I would try to take away. Hussam, same approach. Um, I like where Alf is going, but I'm more so going with um Mike McDaniel's play calling on fourth down. Mind if I share my screen again? Uh, share it. Go ahead. <laughs> so right here, it's it's just a fantastic site, and it goes over the fourth down aggressiveness of how each team has gone on the Dolphins. You can see. Um, you know, they're going for it on fourth down. It's just a matter of fact right here. If you can see the Dolphins dot, they're going for it for almost at a 60% rate, but they're more so towards the average conversion rate, which leads me to believe how can an offensive guru, how can an offensive genius not put the ball into his hands when Tua has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in third down and in fourth down. So I think defensive coordinators would have to bank on Mike McDaniel being too smart, too too smart for his own good on third and four, on uh, specifically fourth downs. Well, a little too cute. I mean, the the four runs down by the goal line surprised me. I wasn't anticipating that you're not going to give him one opportunity down there. Let's switch to the defense, though. Um, I'll go to Andy on this one. Josh Boyer has been criticized at times this year. Um, but again, he hasn't had his two starting corner. We, I mean, they haven't had their full deck of corners. They were supposed to play a defense that was based on the success of the corners. They've had to pivot now. They're bringing a guy in Bradley Chubb. Agba's out. How would you evaluate his performance? What's your level of confidence in the Dolphins' defensive coordinator? 
That's three. And it's <laughs> cool. On mute. <laughs> You're still muted. You're still muted. <laughs> Yo, I just pressed the button. Okay. My level of confidence in you uh, as defensive coordinator is lower than my confidence in Josh Boyer. Go ahead. So for Josh Boyer, I'm actually pretty confident in his play calling. I was a little worried after the season that it was all a Brian Flores-led defense. Boyer has shown us wrong in that sense. We just seen a couple situations where you can only do so much with what you have. A chef could be so good until you only give him some rotten eggs to cook with, you know. Sometimes players have been out of position. Like um, Lewis alluded to in the comments, X cannot be his elite self if he cannot focus on doing what he does best, being a playmaker. Not having Byron Jones, even though he wasn't a huge playmaker, he was consistent on that side, pretty much locking down that side. That changes how you rush the passer, how many you need to send. Do you send four? Do you need to send five? Not having Brandon Jones now for the rest of the year is going to affect us. It's more on Javon Holland's plate. We've been lucky that our backups have been able to perform to the level they have. So long story short, I'm pretty confident in him, and I'm always pleased how he performed versus Cleveland. I hope they build off that for the remainder of the year. Eric, where are you with it, with Boyer? Yeah, I, I, I tend to give him a little bit more grace, especially just because of the fact that they're essentially trying to reinvent how they play defense midseason. Uh, the acquisition of Bradley Chubb, they're going away from all the blitzing. Now they're trying to just get home with rushing four. So, you know, I honestly, I have a, I have a lot of praise for, you know, how he's attacked the run game, uh, you know, all season long, especially you take a team like Cleveland and outside of the touchdown run, Nick Chubb was not a factor in that game on Sunday. Um, you know, and so the things that they've done well this year, they've done really well. And I just continue to believe that as Bradley Chubb uh, gets adjusted, that poor man pass rush is just going to get better and better down the stretch. All right, I want to mention one more sponsor here, then we're going to bring in Lewis. Um, I think others are actually going to stay, so Lewis doesn't have to do this whole thing himself. We want to tell you about Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com. That's with an O, betteredge.com. Um, you can find it directly with betteredge.com backslash five reasons, or you can just enter betteredge.com and just enter the code 5RSN. That's our product code, the number 5RSN. You can see it's a little bit different than your average betting site. The first thing is, and this is nice, it's legal. It's legal in the state of Florida and 44 other states. This is peer-to-peer -peer gambling. You're basically betting against friends, even if you don't really know them and they don't really like you. You're still on there betting against other people instead of against the site. You're not betting against a bookie. You don't have to show 16 forms of ID, including Costa Rican ID, to actually get your money. You just go to Better Edge, and you will find the line that you want. Also, we run competitions there. Our guys, Sean Rochester and Tony Schwartz, have uh, been running NFL, and along with Andy as well, they've been running uh, these uh, competitions on Better Edge uh, every week. I didn't do particularly well last week, but you can bet against uh, bet against your friends. Uh, we pick 10 games every week. We do a show called uh, Setting the Edge every Thursday night. So check it out, Better Edge dot com backslash five reasons or just use the code five rsn you get twenty dollars to play it's free money they're just handing you free money if you bet badly you'll lose it but at least you don't lose anything so go to betteredge.com use a code five rsn all right i'm going to transition here we're bringing in our guy lewis there he is he's got a lot to say um are you going to tell us again that jason sanders fired his kicking coach because i, I, I mean, know that's coming in first that's coming i mean in i hot, still right? feel like that's the main reason like that's the one thing that changed about Jason Sanders and why he suddenly just is the worst kicker in fo in football. Yeah. So so if we were to say one prescription for the Dolphins to succeed, they've got to rehire Jason Sanders' kicking coach right now. 
if 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 it comes down to special teams and it comes down to the last seconds and he has to kick a long field goal, yeah, that's what I would do. I'm gonna put Troy on the spot before I leave here. Troy, were you? At, well, you had a pretty good kicker, I think, when you were playing. But I but I'm saying like, how deflating? Because it feels like like in baseball, if you have a bad bullpen, yes. right? Like you have a lead and you have a bad bullpen, like it just sinks everything because you right. just don't feel like you're going to win the game. If you're in that situation, no matter how well your starter pitches, even if you hit three home runs, you're up, you're up five, three, you're going to lose because you have a bad bullpen. Is that the same feeling as a kicker who's struggling? Cause there, there's no way around it right now. Jason Sanders is struggling. He can't kick from beyond 48 yards. He missed two extra points. He hasn't been good and he used to be really good. So what is the effect on the team of that? Do they have to replace him? I mean, your analogy was like spot on from baseball to football. It's so deflating when you're on the sideline. Like there are times when players, unless it's, you know, crunch time, last drive of the game, where players don't even pay attention to the kick. They're sitting down on the bench. They're getting, you know, their rest. They're getting some air, breathing some oxygen, and they'll hear the crowd's reaction of if he made it or if he missed it. But when the Miami Dolphins and Jason Sanders goes out there right now, everyone's watching because they're all on the edge sitting there saying, oh, my goodness, is he going to make this thing or not? And it doesn't matter if it's a chip shot or, or a 50-yarder. And so I really believe that also factors into how Coach Mike McDaniel calls the game. Like, we're talking about his aggressiveness. That is definitely a part of it. Until Jason Sanders gets things under control, he will continue to be aggressive. Now, I don't think you could play like that to your question earlier in the show. You know, in a tight situation, late in a ball game, I don't know if you really want to play like that, especially if you know you have a kicker back there that you could guarantee to give you three points when you need three points. This is going to be very sticky for the Miami Dolphins if he does not right the ship in the next three or four weeks here as a Miami Dolphin kicker. All right. I'm going to turn this thing over to Lewis right now. I want to appreciate everybody who's joined us here. Keep the comments coming. Uh, we're going to try to get them up here as well. Of course, the super chat. Uh, we always appreciate that. Make sure you're following three yards per carry. Make sure you're following uh, the extra yard with Troy and Alex. Alex is going to be joining uh, here pretty soon. And of course, our pregame and postgame shows uh, yard prep and final yard. I got to go over to do a show on a team that's not as good as the Dolphins right now in town, the Heat. This is the first time I've said this in about 25 years. Yes. Lewis, it's all, Lewis, it's all yours. All righty, guys. So once again, I thank you, everybody, for being here with us. And as Ethan mentioned, if you throw in the Super Chat, give us a little donation. It really helps us out a lot to keep giving you the best Dolphins content on the Internet. So uh, one of the things that we talked about, and I'm going to go ahead and let Troy uh, kind of keep his soapbox here for a little while longer, because we had a lot of topics that we were bringing up while we were here before you showed up. One of the ones that we talked about, what has been the biggest surprise, either good or bad, for the season so far? Like for you, what has been the biggest surprise of the Dolphins on both sides of the spectrum? What's been the best surprise and what's been the worst surprise about this team so far? The best surprise has been the scheme in general. And I'm talking primarily offensively. I had no idea Mike McDaniel's offense was going to show like it shows now. And then on top of that, we, we all, like, 
Yeah, you had your true lovers and you had your haters down here. I mean, it goes both ways. But me watching Tua, I was sitting there saying, okay, is he the guy? Isn't he the guy? But the scheme has settled him down. So now I look at Tua and I look at the rhythm, the pace at which he plays this game, and I go, that is unbelievable. You know, there have been a number of people who question, is he in the running for MVP for the entire league, right? And I go, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't because I really think that Tyreek Hill brought a lot to this football team also. I think that Coach McDaniel brought a lot to this offense as well. But I think that Tua adds a different element to it. So as opposed to would he be the NFL MVP player, I go, I said, let me take a look at how many other quarterbacks in this scheme right here that the Miami Dolphins are running I go, how many other quarterbacks do I think could run this scheme? And only came up with two, and that was Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are the only two quarterbacks that I think that could run this offense the way that Tua runs it. So it's something about his leadership and how he gets up to the line of scrimmage, how he makes his reads quickly, how he gets rid of the ball quickly, how he's accurate with the football. I just think that the Miami Dolphins have something very special that's going on right now. I would I would go ahead and agree with that assessment. I I don't know if I can say that no other quarterback would be able to run this as efficiently. There are still a really lot of really good quarterbacks out there. But that being said, they're good they can, in a drop back. You know, you 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 watch highlights of NFL games. Quarterbacks are sitting back there. They got great blocking. And they release the ball once the receiver gets open. You don't see that from the Miami Dolphins. Theirs is, and I don't know if every quarterback can actually do that. That's just my opinion. And one last note, and then I'll, I'll give the floor to you. I always worried about Tua being a lefty playing in the NFL. Right now, I think the way he runs that offense and how they have adjusted to it. I actually think it's an advantage to the Miami Dolphins that he's a lefty. It's totally different when you're on that defensive side of the ball. We talk about wide receivers catching the ball. It's totally different for DBs and linebackers. Everyone on that defensive side playing against a left-handed quarterback, I'm thinking that is now an advantage to the Miami Dolphins when I was really concerned about that. It's kind of bizarre how the whole lefty thing has really come about. I still remember. Have you you've seen the videos, right, Troy? I think we talked about this once. You've seen the videos of him being flipped over, and yes. like suddenly your brain is just like, "Oh, I like this. This is so yes. much better than it looks yes. when he's left-handed." Like, Alf, do you think other teams are looking at this left-handed film and they're just having like a mental breakdown in them because I don't like what I'm looking at, and it makes it makes an effect on game day? I don't well, know. the 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 offense is called left-handed now. It's it's right. you know, it's called different. Okay. So it's it's the opposite. So maybe defenses have to adjust maybe early in games that I like, okay, okay, now it's different. All right. All right. So so now these runs are coming this way because that quarterback, you want to sell the fake going the other way to a strong hand. So now it's the opposite of what you would see against the right hand quarterback. So maybe they have to adjust early. But uh man, I watch him play and 
when he was coming out, the comparable everybody kept saying Drew Brees, Drew Brees, and I could see it. But I always looked at Tua kind of like a Steve Young type. I do and too. If you, and if you look at his uh, his efficiency and really where he throws the ball, Steve Young was extremely good at throwing in between the hashes. And that's what Tua is the best at. And that short area mobility that Tua has, that was something that Steve Young also had. Steve, Steve Young was probably a little bit better athlete. But, you know, I, I just see it's 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 a resurgence. It's, it's you know, uh, I don't think there's another lefty out there. I know that Skip Bayless is fond of saying that Dylan Gabriel is going to be the next one. Uh, he's not very good. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. Okay. All right. But other than that, yeah, I don't know if, I, if there's another lefty da- coming down the pike, but I think this is going to help lefties in the future. I think they're going to look at two and say, okay, he could operate at a really high level, you know? So yeah, why not? Alfredo, I did not think of that comparison right there, but I think you are spot on. Like I go back and play, you know, Steve Young in my mind and I still say, I see a lot of Tua and Steve Young. So I, I, I absolutely love that comparison right there. But you saw the comment just now from Christopher Henry. Do you feel like the Steve Young comparison is a little overblown simply because Tua doesn't run as much as Steve Young did? No, I think uh, the, the commenter that he said that Steve Young is a running quarterback, he's just replaying a couple of big runs that Steve Young had in his career. But if you go look up his, his stats for his career, he didn't run as much as some people think he did. He was a really good pocket passer. He was mobile. Like he had a he had a mobile pocket. Like he would leave the pocket and he would create with his feet outside of the pocket. But he wasn't what I would call a running quarterback, especially not in the modern sense. In the modern sense, you have, you know, these guys are just, you know, this is a different type of athlete in Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. Like, you know, those guys only existed in Michael Vick and Randall Cunningham. Uh Steve Young is more in that that mobile passer category and that's kind of what i see too as okay that's fair so now here's another question and this is something that we kind of touched on in my show last night pulse fins nation andy this is a very straight up question and we 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 kind of touched on it earlier when we asked is Tua top five or whatever can we officially say that tua is an elite nfl quarterback just straight up in a vacuum in an elite an elite quarterback is he in that conversation <laughs> is he frozen? Like yeah, the question breaking. Yeah, the question frozen. Yes. Okay, yes. I think he might be stuck again. He's been saying that the stream keeps crashing for him. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll put it to you guys. Is he? Lewis, an elite I gotta ask. I gotta ask you. What's your definition of elite? Give me, give me three guys who are elite. You gonna give me Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson, I would say is elite. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, I would say is elite. Um, Josh Allen. I, I'm I'm struggling to keep him in that conversation right now. Okay. I mean, objectively speaking, yes, he is still one of the elite quarterbacks. He, he still basically runs that whole Bills offense by himself because he doesn't have a whole lot of help aside from Stephon Diggs. So, but those are, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyone what? else? No, I'm talking to Andy. It's like his he just came back. Oh, I'm sorry. yeah. Um, yes, is he elite? Yes or no? 100%. He's definitely in the upper election on top five NFL TVs. The numbers say it. The eye test says it. His record 7-0 this season says it. There's no way anybody can say with reason that he's not top five and really top three this season in the NFL. 
Yeah. And I'll say something about I'll say something about about Tua as well because everybody's just focusing on on his season this year and rightfully so because he's having a monster year. But he's always been a guy who's adapted to whatever he's asked to do. There's a reason why this guy had no OTAs, basically no camp, okay, and still went six and three as a rookie. And then the following year, he has a coach that hates him, three different offensive coordinators, a system that doesn't fit him, and he goes eight and four. And he had a, he had a couple of really really good games. People forget he had that that string of 130 uh, quarterback ratings last year as well. Uh, and he also played the number one ranked pass defense against the Panthers and completely tore them apart. And he's able to mold himself to what he's asked to do. And then here comes Mike McDaniel, brings in a system that is quarterback friendly, and he's unlocking everything. Like, have you ever played like like video games and you say, okay, you unlock this character and you unlock that other character, and you expect it to be you know, to take two years maybe to unlock everything. We did podcasts where, you know, we would look over the the, the playbooks, uh, previous playbooks from from the Shanahan coaching tree, and uh, Mike Martz talked about it as well. Sean McVay talked about it. Kyle Shanahan talked about it, and he said, usually it takes about two years in the system, this system, to completely, like, master what you're supposed to do. If you watch the system from week one, you can see that they're adding a, a little something more every single week, and it keeps growing. It never gets dialed back, you know. So I'm wondering what those installs are supposed to look like because uh, Mike McDaniel even said it uh, on his availability this week where he said, you know, sometimes, you know, we have 50 and we have 60 plays in the install, but he feels like Tua knows about 100 of the of the plays in the playbook. So imagine when he has complete mastery of the playbook. Like that's when you're really going to see this offense take off, and and wait for the for them to get the players that they want for this system, namely the right tight end core, the right right tackle. So yeah, you know it's arrow up, and he's getting better and better every single week. So now let that's and that brings up an interesting question though. So obviously one of the things the trade deadline has passed the team is still even still they're still looking to get better you i know that uh i'm personally hopeful that byron jones returns you apparently are very hopeful that byron jones returns by the way for anybody who's not on only fins you should absolutely go there patreon three dollars a month best dolphins chat room in the world as far as i'm concerned troy you had something you wanted to say no i was giving the thumbs up to the the jones coming back to the miami dolphins secondary I think that adds a lot. There are very few teams in the league playing as well as the Miami Dolphins have been playing, missing a key component like that, especially when this defense going into the season was built on two lockdown quarter cornerbacks. And so if he comes back and the, the excellent play that we've been getting out of the young guys for the Miami Dolphins, that creates just depth that's out there. Miami Dolphins – Again, like we talk about, or I talk about, they could pick and choose whatever they want on the menu offensively. Defensively, if he comes back and he's solid, they could pick and choose whatever they want to do. We want to go after the quarterback, we can. We can lock down wide receivers, you know. We, we don't have a worry there. We want to bring an extra guy, we could do that. If we want to back up, the Miami Dolphins, I'm, again, they're playing with a full deck of cards right now. Right, but the question wasn't whether or not would Byron Jones benefit them. The question was, is he going to come back? Period. Oh, 
That none of us have the answer to, right? None of us. No, but we can make predictions. I think he comes back. I think he's coming back. Uh, I think I would be shocked if he's not on the plane headed out west. I would say that. Do you guys, does anyone have when he had the surgery? March. He had it in March. And that was an Achilles, correct? Yeah. But he didn't. It was like a cleanup. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was maintenance, you know. But the the team is not saying what happened to him. If you put two and two together, um, maybe he had atrophy after the injury. Yeah. And if he had atrophy, that would keep him out for most of the year. Maybe he re-injured something else because the team won't tell you. Like right. the, the team just says Achilles, and that's it. Like Trey Flowers, uh, he's coming back, and I guess that's why they haven't made a move to to replace Emmanuel Agua because Trey Flowers is actually coming back and they won't say anything, but, Oh, he had a foot injury. So like, you know, what happened to his foot? Does he have plantar fasciitis? Did he, did he break his foot? You know, but we know he's coming back. But one thing I do, I do like about this team. And, and I think this is what bodes well going forward is that I never liked that, you know, that I outsmart the team and the guys that actually get paid to run the team. Right. And they consistently outsmart the smart fans and the analysts Every single week. And you think about where this team is headed as far as the defensive side of the ball. They have a bunch of injuries in the secondary. They lost the safety. They lost the nickel cornerback. They don't. They have $16 million sitting on the pup list right now in Byron Jones. But they have all this talent on the defensive line, and they kept blitzing. Like, that made no sense. You're asking the, these really talented players, these talented three techs, these talented edge rushers to – work as a team and to try to work stunts and blitzes to try to get to the quarterback. So I beg the reason, like, you know, why are you going to go get a Bradley Chubb if this is the type of system you're going to have? Well, the reason they got a Bradley Chubb is because they're absolutely changing the entire system on the fly inside the season. And I'll give you a stat. Do you know that the lowest blitz rate of the entire year was this Sunday against Jacoby Brissett and the Browns? You know what their highest pressure rate was this Sunday against Jacoby Brissett and the Browns. Since they made the trade for Bradley Chubb, they're number one in pressure rate rushing for. So it's already worked. And, you know, you never see this. Obviously, on on an offense, it's impossible to do. Like, you know, you can't trade for uh, Eric Dickerson at midseason and say, okay, now we're a running team. Let's put in an entire run offense when you were a pass offense before. But you can change the defense, and evidently they're doing it, and they're having some success. And you got to mention, to add to your point, Alfred, they did that against a bronze line that is that is not shabby at all. Two no, number six offense. ranked by PFF, if you believe PFF. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that was a really good offensive line, and they beat the hell out of them. And they did it with four guys. You know, which is what you want to see. Well, to be that's fair, how you're going to beat. You're not going to beat Mahomes blitzing them, and you're not going to beat Josh Allen blitzing them. You're going to beat them by rushing four guys and getting there with four guys. That's well, the key, too, because Josh Allen does great against the blitz. Yeah. To be fair, though, how much of that was just because Jacoby Brissett is Jacoby Brissett? Oh, he's having a great year. Uh, you know, like he was terrible with us, but it doesn't mean he has to be terrible with them, right? Mm. You know? He was having a good year. He was having a good year coming into the game. They have a great running game. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in football. And the Dolphin defense embarrassed them. You know, it's 
that was as good a performance as you're ever going to see from this team. Okay. So before we get into some other questions that I had, I just came up with one. First, I got to just mention that we have another sponsor for this show. It's not Liquid Death, although Alfredo, I'm sure, is enjoying his uh, enjoying his drink there. Um, it is actually Prize Picks. It's our good friends over at PrizePicks.com. It is the revolutionary fantasy platform where you pick up to five different players across professional sports leagues, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. By the way, the MLB, Sandy Alcantara just won the uh, Cy Young, first Marlins pitcher to ever do it. Congratulations to him. Right. So if you want to do next season, you want to pick the over on his win total you can go ahead and do that uh, whether it's individual stats classics fantasy point projections up to you to decide and they will even give you some freebie picks i know they're getting ready to roll out a 25 times winner i saw the uh, advertisement for that they're coming out with some even more stuff for you to win so head on over there while you can is the promo code five that's f-i-v-e they will match up to 100 on your initial deposit when you sign up no rollover necessary you don't have to bet it through it's just going to be there waiting for you when you sign up the promo code again is five f-i-v-e go to pricepicks.com sign up using our code it really helps us out and it's going to help you out because you are going to win big time all right. Yeah, and when you and when you tell people that that you don't have to roll it over a thousand times like a lot of other places make you do, it's uh, we mean that you deposit one hundred dollars, they give you a hundred dollars, and if you bet it, it's still there. So they're essentially giving you a free one hundred dollars. Take it, F I V E. Very easy to do. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about because you mentioned it's funny because you brought up uh, oh we didn't trade for Eric Dickerson now we're gonna do like a whole running offense. However. There was a we obviously got Bradley Chubb. We obviously got Jeff Wilson. That was great on Chris Greer's part. But now obviously the trade deadline has passed. But there is still the possibility of adding talent near the end. Maybe as we make a final playoff push. I don't know if maybe there's room to add in one last veteran guy who can maybe he's uh fresh off the bench because he hasn't been playing all year. Andy, if you were Chris Greer and you're still looking like maybe one last little cherry on top, who would you be looking at to potentially bring in, whether it's a, a more of a splash? Because I saw somebody uh, jokingly bring up Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, we're not going to do that. But like, who would you want to bring in if you had the opportunity to? Did you ask me, Lewis? Because I did. I broke up for 30 seconds again. I did. Yeah. I asked you, who would you, if you were Chris Greer, who would you bring in as a free agent as the last cherry on top of this offense or defense, whoever, the team, period? Oh, was available right now? Right the heck now. Yes. One last push, one last, one last piece of the puzzle to make sure that we get to the Super Bowl. Like, Roy, by the way, Ron Caniff very boldly okay. proclaimed we win Ron next last night. <laughs> I can't blame him. It would have to be secondary help. I might, I might kick the tires on Malcolm Butler. I might kick the tires on Kevin, Kevin King that I'm seeing he's available right now. Um, maybe Sheldon Richardson if he wants some more D line help now that Ogle is down. But I would definitely look for, try to find a way to fix Byron Jones Achilles. That's that's the best free agent. The free agent is the guy we already have on the roster. Okay, fair enough. Oh, um, th this was actually a guy that I was wondering about. Um, Los Los Dolphinaticos Canal, aka the Dolphin Maniacs, uh, something or other. In Kong Sioux, he's still there. He's still around, and what he can apparently kick field me? goals. <laughs> he can kick field goals. Well, that that'd be something that'd be interesting to do, right? Just bring him in and then have him kick field goals. You know, Adamakong <laughs> uh, uh, could, could could play the role that Emmanuel Agua vacated. But I think they're holding out on Trey Flowers. 
Like, you know, there's a reason why he's still eligible to return, and it's week 10. Same for Byron Jones. You know, usually teams don't make it this far in the season and keep them eligible, and they never come back. Like, that's, you know, the only time that ever happened was with Will Fuller. And even with Will Fuller, you remember last year, it was week, what was it, week nine, where they gave up and they said, okay, he's done. He's he's done for the year. And evidently he was done for his career because he retired, you know. He's but like, that was understandable. He mangled he mangled a finger. He almost lost the finger uh, trying to scoop a, a ball that was in the dirt from Jacoby Brissett. But if you're going to add anybody, Trey Flowers and, and Byron Jones, that's a hell of a pickup, right? Nah, There's I guess two so. guys that will play a lot of snaps. One will play starter snaps, and the other guy will play maybe 20 snaps a game at defensive end. So, yeah, those are the two pickups. You know, Odell Beckham, like, Man, the the offense is so good and humming right now. That's like putting a ball of ice cream on top of a steak, right? <laughs> like, a, a, like a, you know, the, the ice cream will taste good, right? But do you really need to put it on top of your steak? No, the steak is fine. The potatoes are fine. The wine is good. Don't touch it. Don't mess with it. It's a good meal right now. You need to add anything else. You know, it's like if you're cooking a meal and you're like, you know what? It probably needs a little bit more salt. No, no, if it tasted good. Leave it alone. Right. It's fine. So, don't well, have I, it is fun to imagine bringing in a fresh Indominus Sue and just letting him wreak havoc along with the likes of Melvin Ingram and uh, and Bradley Chubb at the same time. Yeah, I know he's older. He's old. He's an old. Like I didn't realize how old he was at this point. I was like, oh, he's really he's he's that old. Is he twenty ten draft? Say yeah, no Sue. Let me pull him up here real quick. Uh, and Dominic Sue, last time he played, he played you last year, he played last year, yeah, but he's 35. Wow. Yeah, the, <laughs> only, the only thing I would say about Dominic Sue is like he's a really, really, really smart guy, really smart businessman. He has so much money. Like, how do you motivate him to suit up and play past week 10? Was he with Tampa? Was he with Tampa when they won the Super Bowl? Yes. yes. Okay, then he already has his ring. I don't know what else could be. <laughs> yeah, I don't see where the motivation is. Okay, you know, like there's 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 nothing you can do to entice him. Like you dangle five million and five million dollars in front of him, he's he's gonna say, okay, that's nice, but I don't need it. You know, I think he I think he's done playing football. Well, it has to be something gotta, like ridiculous to to entice him. You got a ring in Tampa. Got a ring in LA also, right? Last year. Well, yeah, was he there also? Was he with the really? Hang on I think a second. He was him and I can't even Aaron Donald were kicking ass. No, he was with Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. He was with Tampa Bay in 2021. He was with the Rams in 2018. Oh, damn. Yeah, I remember he, he yeah. Well, get him get him get him another ring and, and get him some, some some stuff for the sun, man. That, that will taste anybody. His 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 retirement home. <laughs> his football retirement home. He was already in retirement home. He was in Tampa. That's Florida. Yeah. Tampa's not a bad place to be. <laughs> so, but okay. Yeah, so and look. he's signing, and and the last time we saw him was last year, and he signed a really sweetheart deal. It was one year for $9 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Basically the Teddy Bridgewater contract. Mm-hmm. And for lack of a better term. Well, okay, so, but I'll ask you then, Alf. Like you, you brought up, yeah, Byron Jones and Trey Flowers, but let's say we're, we really need, we really wanted to go outside the organization. There's not anybody out there. You'd be like, you know what? This might be a good piece. Not that I could think of. Like all the guys that, you know, 
that kind of made sense. They were at the trade deadline. Uh, they fi- they fixed the holes that they had. They they needed another edge rusher. They went in and got him. They needed uh, an RB two, and they went in and they got him. And now he's ev- evidently maybe RB one. Uh, there was no tight end to have, so not even in the secondary. No, if you could find like a a dedicated uh, punt returner, a guy who's really really good out in the street, I guess, but. I don't even think that that exists. You know, I've talked you know? to a, I've, I've talked to a friend often. We have these discussions, and he he tells me this person is available or this person is available, and I go, they're available for a reason. So, if you're available right now, I don't know if the Miami Dolphins are bringing you in here because first thing I'm going to think is okay, unless you're one of these veterans that just outpriced yourself playing for another team and you're going to get that last little icing on the cake before you retire. I don't see the Miami Dolphins bringing in anyone unless the only thing I see is someone who has played for Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. And for whatever reason they were injured or they got released or whatever case may be, that's the only thing that I could see because, you know, we just saw an addition come to the Miami Dolphins, you know, from San Francisco. And he made point about how comfortable he felt walking into the locker room. That's the only situation that I think would help this. I, I agree with you, Alfredo, when it comes to Trey Flowers and, and Jones, those are the two guys that you need to get back on the field for the Miami Dolphins, and they should be fine. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. And look, there's one guy that was kind of interesting, but he signed three weeks ago, and that was Deshaun Jackson. He signed with the with the Ravens. Like that's a guy that you could have signed as depth, you know, because they have this whole speed thing going on on offense. But I look at this list, this free agent list, and it's. I don't want any of these guys. Like none of these guys are better than what we have. They just aren't. And you know, we have certain guys on the on the practice squad that are okay. Freddie Swain is fine. You know, like if you need some depth, you know, there is no punt returner. Like I'm looking right now, there's no punt returner of no. Wasn't Swain a returner? Yeah, that's the and we have him in the practice squad. So, you know, that's pretty much it. Like there's nothing else really. There's nothing else Detroit. I would want. So really, Detroit. the only th- you can say again. Detroit's point, you can kind of look at old San Francisco players from last year. Darquez Denard at cornerback, maybe D Ford as an edge rusher if you really want to make a reach out there. But yeah, there's no one really better, like Alfredo's saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, hey, that that but I guess that means that at this point there's really nothing the Dolphins can do to improve their roster for the Super Bowl run. So I so let's do that then. Like we talk about being realistic. Is Super Bowl realistic at this point if they win the division then yeah and if you're not talking super bowl then what you know what the hell are you doing winning the division right if they win the division then yeah absolutely if they win the division you got to be talking we got to get to the super bowl because it's it's you you manage to you know to roll to, to run an inside straight here okay uh if you win the division you're gonna have teams coming through miami where they don't lose, okay? They just don't lose with Tua. They just don't. He's 9-1 and one in his last 10 home games, okay? 
And the one game that they lost at home was that Atlanta game, which was a, an absolute disaster. Uh, so, yeah, you know, if, if they win the division, the Super Bowl has to be the goal. Anything less is kind of a disappointment if they win the division. If they don't win the division, you know, you got to win a playoff game. This team is really, really good. You want to get some playoff experience, win a playoff game. But, yeah, if you win the division, Super Bowl is the goal. Troy? I just listened to what Alfredo said, and that makes 100% perfect sense to me. And I didn't. I don't usually think that far ahead. Like, I'm sitting here saying, okay, I'm going to enjoy this bye week, and the Miami Dolphins need to get ready for the Houston Texans. And I really don't think that far ahead. And I'm, I'm not going to start doing it now. I'm going to lean on the guys like you, Alfredo, like you guys who pay attention to that down the road. I just say keep winning and things will work out because at this point a week ago, I don't, I, I don't think any one of us thought that the Miami Dolphins at the end of the week would be in first place in the AFC East. I didn't think that. So I don't think that far ahead. So I, I can't really answer that. I just hope that they keep they stay healthy. They keep winning. They keep getting better. And I think the sky's the limit because I really love how this football team is playing right now. Well, for what it's worth, apparently we have some folks who think that the Dolphins will not be in first place by the end of this week. <laughs> Maybe like, not. They don't play. <laughs> uh, for, for that guy, Jets gang, it's impossible for the Dolphins not to be in first place past. They would be tied. They would be tied. Right. Okay. But don't and the Jets Miami, have a tiebreaker right now? No. Miami has the tiebreaker because of AFC record. AFC so, record is number one. Okay. There's okay. a way that the Jets could get into first place, but they need, they need so many things to break their way. And if the Jet fans are looking for week 11 for a bunch of tiebreakers to go their way, just tell that Jet fan to go look at his schedule, okay, and worry about making the playoffs first, because his schedule gets really ugly going forward here in a few weeks. And uh, there's another fan in here. Actually, we have a Browns fan in here that said that yeah, the Dolphins deservedly beat the Browns. Like they kind of well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't well, want to take this opportunity to. You, to, you asked to if there was anything them, out but... there. Look, they're not going to replace Jason Sanders, so so forget about that. Okay, uh, he makes too much money. You're not going to replace him. But I'm looking at the free agent kicker list. Does Rodrigo Blankenship get you excited? Michael Badgley. Like these are bad kickers. There's a reason that wasn't there Dustin there. Hopkins or something on there. Uh, I don't see him on here, but I remember him. He's okay. There's a reason why they're out there, right, Alfredo? <laughs> yeah, it's week it's week eleven. We're headed to week eleven, and you're right. a kicker and you're unemployed. Yeah, you got you got issues, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like you're not a guy that's, that's to be trusted with a big kick somewhere. You know, let's just hope that Jason Sanders gets it right. I, I, I'm out of ideas. I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. You know? I do, but he won't. Because do I thought I thought it was uh, it had to do with uh, Morstead because I went back and I actually looked at him kicking with Hawk, and Hawk did not use gloves, right? And Morstead does. But as I was reminded by Ron Cavish, Kenneth, your your co-host, Morstead uses the glove on one hand. But when he holds, he holds with his bare hand. So, yeah, I'm out of ideas. I don't know what's wrong with Jason Sanders. I don't know how you get it, how you get him back. Hey, uh, he's a, do you think we can uh, pull Dan Carpenter out of retirement maybe? <laughs> 
How old is he? He is 36. For kickers, that's actually not too bad. That's not too bad, but he hasn't kicked, what, in two years? Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm running out of ideas again. I, I'm pretty sure at this point that it's just because he doesn't have his kicking coach in his ear. But because, it, again, to the day that he left, it fell off a cliff. I can't, I can't, I cannot, I cannot make a resolution with that. It's like, you can't tell me it's a coincidence. You really can't. Not me anyway. Oh, bring him back then. Like, that's no, somebody that's, you could add. That's what I want. Well, yeah, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, assistant kicking coach. Yes, absolutely. I don't know if he take the job because he has his own kicking, uh, like Brent has his own like whole kicking camp with, he does all sorts of high school and college kids, but I mean, he obviously did something for Sanders. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. A lot of people are looking, uh, are doing that schedule watching game right now, and uh, don't worry about the schedule going forward. If this team is who we think they are, and they kind of look like they are who they are, and they're getting better, you know, they're going to be favored in a lot of these games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Like what you may think may be hopeless, like, you know, December 18th in, in Buffalo. Like, you may think it's hopeless. It's probably not hopeless. Like, that's that game is probably going to the wire. You know, it's going to be competition. Like, it's going to be good competition. And when they go out west, the weather's going to be good out there. So they're going to play other good teams on an even field with, you know, good weather. Uh, when they play the Chargers, it's going to be indoors. So when they play the, 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 the Patriots, who cares? They always beat the Patriots. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, I think what's interesting is looking forward. And looking at the competition and who they are playing, and I'm really interested to watch that Bills game this Sunday because they don't look right. Uh, that injury is serious. A UCL injury is is for real. I don't care if you're Superman or Josh Allen. Why are these doctors downplaying it so much? Like you would think that they'd be like, "Oh no, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like because this is Josh, not a good idea." Because Josh Allen is like a, a, a football god. He's six five, two hundred and forty pounds, and can throw it through a brick wall. Well, guess what? He couldn't at the end. Okay, that 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 ball didn't have the juice that it that it needed to have to hit that dig against uh, Patrick Peterson. It also didn't help that Patrick Peterson essentially knew the play and said he knew the play. You know, but you know if if Josh Allen's not right, that's the competition. You know, and if he's going to be weaker, and you win the division title, I already told you what the, the expectations are if that happens. Are you willing to go as far as to say, like Ron did, that they will win the Super Bowl? Or are you saying they sh- they should? That should be the goal. I'll tell you this: if well, I- I'm telling you that they should. Like, if they win the division, they should be playing in the AFC Championship game to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I will tell you this: if they make it to the Super Bowl, they will win the Super Bowl because I don't like anybody in the NFC. Like, that's not a good conference. I, I don't like how anybody is playing out there in the NFC. You saw you saw the the Eagles fall behind, and you saw what they looked like trying to throw themselves back into a game. Didn't look it wasn't pretty, and that was against the Commanders. Okay, the I really like the Cowboys. Cowboys are really really complete. They have a lot of talent. They have a great defense. Their quarterback's not playing good. He's just not. Time to put then, Cooper Rush back in. No, no, Dak's better than <laughs> Cooper Rush, but he's not playing well. Like you know, there's. there's you know, and if your quarterback's not playing well, you're not winning a Super Bowl. Like th- that's a fact. Like you know, those days are gone where you could, you could get into a Super Bowl with a with a quarterback that's not that's not good and just play play defense and run the football. Those days are gone. You need your quarterback to play well. 
I look out and what Minnesota, like that's what we're worrying about. We're worrying about the Minnesota Vikings. We saw them here in Miami, and we had Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater almost beat them. Alfredo, I'm going to get my tickets right now. <laughs> I'm going to well, get. Well, I'm actually. Well, I'm actually. Look, where's the I Super Bowl? Where is it this year? It's in it's in Arizona. Okay, and if you're gonna oh, cover go out it, to the desert in wintertime. And if you're gonna cover it. You know, and it's going to be indoors, by the way. If you're going to cover oh, the go. Super Bowl, you got to go get your, your hotel room, like, now. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, they make the Super Bowl, they're winning it. You know, I don't like, – like, who's out there? Like, you know. The only – If Dak Prescott becomes great again, like, he starts playing, like, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott from 2019. From the guy who before he got paid. <laughs> Yeah, if he starts playing like that guy, then okay, all right. I think Dallas is better. But he's not playing like that. He's not playing that good. Dallas, maybe Niners. Niners can – they look like no, – That's a good one. That's a good one. But but uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, are you afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo? Sir. No, sir. <laughs> I'm a little afraid of CMC. I, don't, I, I still – Yeah, he'll, he'll be down before the season's over. Don't yeah. worry. They're really, really talented. They they have an all star team on offense, and their defense is really, really good. You're gonna see well. You're gonna see them in two weeks. That's gonna be a lot. That's gonna be a lot of fun. That's gonna be a fun game. Mike McDaniel going back to to San Francisco. Can McDaniel out Bob. Shanahan? Shanahan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting listening to other other uh, people from other teams how they cover their teams. Because if you look at um like Grant Cohn who covers the the 49ers, he hates Shanahan. And I'm like, you guys don't know how good you have it. You know, other teams have people like Jeff Saturday rolling out there, running their team. Hey, one and they won, Alf. Are you? Yeah, happy? no, he's undefeated. You, he's you, never you lost. rooted for him. Yeah, he's never lost. Yeah, I was rooting for him because everybody was was you know just ripping him unnecessarily, in my opinion, all week. But he won. You know, and it's hilarious how you know Josh McDaniel. They can't fire him because they can't pay him. <laughs> you know that that's hilarious. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Arrow up. They make it, they win it. All That's right. wild. Okay. It's about so te- making it though. Speak, it's not gonna be easy. You gotta win the division. Winning the division is not gonna be easy. But who says it had to be easy, right? The Bills are finding out that it's not easy. Yeah. All of a sudden, no, not anymore. Because now the Dolphins are actually a legitimate football team that can I challenge them. Four weeks ago, four I just did a Bills podcast this afternoon, and they're despondent. Four weeks ago, they thought that the regular season was a, a formality. Right. Like, all they had to do is just get through it. Well, four sure weeks the ago, they were still healthy. yelling about the sun being too hot, and that's why they lost. <laughs> yeah, and, and look and look at where they are right now, okay? They got to go play in six feet of snow against the best running game in the, in the league. So, yeah, good luck on Sunday. Who are we going to so, watch the most on Sunday since we don't have it? Oh, Jets, uh, Patriots! If you're if you're a Dolphin fan, you gotta hate watch that game. Yeah, you know, like that's gonna be a lot of fun. So guys, either talk- results good, either results good. Although you you kind of want the Patriots to win. Yeah. yeah, whatever helps the Dolphins most, right? And it will be the Patriots. Yeah, the most exciting result will be the Browns beating the Bills. Yes, that's the most exciting result because that starts giving that starts giving you a cushion. And, and you're like, wow, we didn't even ask for a cushion, and now we're getting one? Awesome. And then the Bills start having more questions about themselves. What's going on here? So Yeah, yeah, because yeah, now it's, not, it's, no longer, it's no longer about, okay, you know, we could relax because we have Miami here. 
in December. We just beat them and we're yeah. back on schedule. No, it's no longer about that. Now they're watching the, the the schedule and they're hate watching the Dolphins every week, hoping that they lose. You know, so yeah, that's the best result. Like if you could get the Browns to win on Sunday, wow. There's two sides of this coin right here of how I think. I think that most, if not all, teams go through adversity at some point along the season. It's mm-hmm. just when does it come, right? Yeah. And right now, the way it looks for the Miami Dolphins, it's pretty nice that it came early in the season. Yeah. Early and, in the season, right? And they built themselves a little cushion for it, too, by right. going 3-0 and to start. Right. They won three. Exactly. They won three in a row. They lost three in a row. Now, it was, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, is the coach really that good? Like, there were questions about that. You yeah. know, are we really that no, good? the quarterback is, though. They won three in a row. Did the quarterback uh, even uh, play fight. again? And so, if the Miami Dolphins, that's the number one key, if they could stay healthy, and that's a big if because it's a long season. We're only halfway, right? They could stay healthy. This is the game of football. Guys get hurt all the time. And they don't face any more, you know, valleys or speed bumps along the way. And they just continue to roll along and add to that offense, get the defense better, get more guys back. Jones, Flowers, get them back. Miami Dolphins be sitting nice. But you look at the Buffalo Bills where everything was rosy, right? They painted this picture already. They got the mural on the wall where this is going to be easy. Like you said, they looked at the season as a formality. Like, Mm -hmm. we're just going to roll through this thing. All of a sudden, they got a hiccup here, and halfway through the season, they find themselves a game behind the first-place team, and they got a tough game coming up, hopefully. That quarterback is injured now. You know, I like that they got a little bit of adversity that they got to deal with right now. Let's see how they handle. Mm-hmm. So one of the last things that we're going to talk about before we wrap this up, and I really want to get into this, we got to look ahead now. Obviously, Texans are coming up. The Chargers after that. Still a lot of really tough games coming up. Um, what's the main thing that Miami has to work on? Number one, more than anything else, and the kicking game does not count. <laughs> what needs to be worked on the most if the Dolphins are really going to pull this off. I think they have a great opportunity against the Texans to really roll out this new defense that they're trying to build and play it almost exclusively for, for 60 minutes. And then just keep keep working on that balance on the offensive side of the ball. You know, uh, you know, I, I hate to talk about an NFL team like this because, you know, even the Colts beat the, the Chiefs. But if you actually do implement these things, you're, you're talking about playing on schedule. You're talking about playing at your best. You're going to win the game. Okay. So, yeah, I think that they, they just stick with your balance and, you know, roll out this defense even more than you already did against the Browns. Andy, let's have you next. Uh, what, do, what, do you, what the Dolphins need to work on the most if they're going to dip this Super Bowl run actually off the ground? I'll go with I'll go with Alf. It's on defense and it's getting off the field on third down. They did much better against the Browns, but throughout the season we we've been giving off those third down conversions. You know, end drives quickly and get the ball back to the offense. And find a new kicker. But that's the only negative. 
I literally said the one thing you can't talk about is that oh, they're not going to get a new kicker. They're just not, okay? I know everybody wants one, but I really seriously doubt they're going to sign a new kicker just to tell Jason Sanders to go sit and collect splinters on the bench. It's not going right. to happen. Right. It's so maddening. He, he was like 96% kicker two years ago and now back-to-back years in the 70s. How does that happen? I just told you. <laughs> I've already told you guys many times. All right, Troy. Your, what's the thing the Dolphins need to work on the most? I really don't know. I think it's on the defensive side of the ball. But I think the most important thing that we need to pay attention to is what the Miami Dolphins change. Again, this bye week, I think, is humongous for the coaching staff of self evaluating they don't have an opponent that that have to break down they're breaking down the miami dolphins so it's almost like they're playing against the miami dolphins so the coaches are there sitting there saying what do we do well what do we do poorly and they're going to tighten it that thing and i'm looking forward to seeing changes not that they need to make changes but they're going to make changes I'm looking forward to seeing how the changes play out where we watch the next game. We go, oh, we never saw that before. We didn't see that before. And so I think the biggest thing right now for the Miami Dolphins, I've been saying it all show, stay healthy. But I want to see what they do coming off of this bye week. I think it's huge. Yep. And as for me, I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Martina on this one. Is like I want to see more of the run game. I want to see them consistently do what they've been doing against Cleveland because as much as we loved what we saw, the yeah, the Cleveland offensive line is pretty great, but the defensive the defensive front for Cleveland, their run game, their run defense has not been all that special this season. Uh, they, I think I saw they talked about it during the game. I think they were ranked like r- really near the bottom of the pylon for that let me just pull it up here real quick <clears throat> i think they're they were bottom five and they might still be even after even after sunday they are let me see according to team rankings no i don't want that where's the pro football reference that's that's usually what do you where do you guys go to when you look up this stuff anyway uh, team rankings might have it, but nfl team leaders on the nfl site is the best one for that oh yeah Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. I've used uh, I've usually gone with Pro Football Reference for most of my stuff. ESPN's not half bad either for team stats. So okay, so run defense. Okay, so according to Pro Football Reference, anyway, the Cleveland Browns are 21st overall in the league, specifically in run defense. So it's not the worst in the world, I guess, but eh, you know, it's okay. It's it's, it's, it's not that great. Um, just for the sake of reference, the Houston Texans are the 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL. So if, if, uh, if, if, if Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moster don't combine for like 200 yards rushing, I guess we can be upset about it. And by the way, to give you, uh, to give people a little bit of perspective because people lack it on, on the internet, especially three years ago today was Tua's hip injury, that catastrophic, catastrophic hip injury three years to the day and today he's an mvp candidate i'm glad they're not playing today (laughs) (laughs) all right so 
I guess that's it. This is the off-season report, ladies and gentlemen. We've gotten, uh, we've got, we've thought about what we thought they were going to do. We thought, we thought, talked about what we think they're going to do. Like Super Bowl is starting to become an actual conversation here, and that's kind of wild to think about because even I, and I think to a certain extent, the guys from three yards per carry, the guys from extra yard, Troy. I don't know if you guys were all thinking that you know what we're gonna. We were optimistic, sure. But did we really legitimately think that we were going to be talking Super Bowl? Because think about how good they've gotten and how dominant they've been on the offensive side of the ball, scoring points, that we can actually look at this team and say, you know what? They could actually win the Super Bowl. Talk about a change. Like, talk about a change in expectations. I figured, yeah, playoffs. They're not going to get very far, but they'll get to the playoffs. No. There's very little. There's very little that I can see that could legitimately get in their way at this point. Like the, the giant towers that were blocking their way have suddenly become just like regular size hurdles. Like they can get this done. One, one question for you, Alfredo, you sound like a, an encyclopedia of knowledge, right? You know, way more than I know when it comes to this stuff. When was the last NFL team to win a Super Bowl? who has not gone to the playoffs for one or two years prior. There seems to always be this, you got to take baby steps, you got to get there. Is, there. is there a team that has done that? Not that we need that, I'm just wondering. Like I, We want to add that, that to the record it? books. That won it, uh, I think it's or- the Eagles. But that uh, that made the Super Bowl last year. The Bengals. Okay, I got you one here. I got you one here. You ready? Example. I got I got you one. The Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, 2014, missed the playoffs. 2015, missed the playoffs. 2016, missed the playoffs with a 79 record, 79 record, 79 record, 10 and six record. Then they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, right? With Nick Foles. So yeah, so the Eagles is that is that example. They missed the playoffs three straight years, and then they won the Super Bowl. Boy, where's Manny when you need him? I need him well to come done. here and like brag about it. <laughs> well done, and, and you didn't have to go past Cincinnati. Like they don't have to win it. I mean, it'd be nice if they got there. Lovely yeah. if they won the thing. Did Tampa not? Did Tampa was Tampa not before the Brady thing? Yeah, Tampa also. You know, Tampa, same thing happened with Tampa. And they won yeah. the Super Bowl, though. And they won the Super Bowl. So there yeah. you go. So Tampa was technically the last team to do it. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you Tampa Bay's uh run up to their to their Super Bowl. Uh Tampa Bay. Yeah, they won the Super. Okay, I got one for, for uh for Tampa Bay. All right, you ready? Yeah. Missed the playoffs, 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 missed the playoffs. And they had the top three pick. Then they had the worst record in the league. Then they missed the playoffs with the fourth worst record in the league. Then they missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs. Then they win the Super Bowl. So they missed the play. They missed the playoffs twelve years in a row. And all they needed to do was add Tom Brady and, and Ron they made Brinkowski. the playoffs once and won the Super Bowl. So, all right. Gee, no uh, wonder. Yeah, it, yeah. No wonder it, Steve it, it Ross happens. wanted Tom Brady. So, so, so bad. it happens all the time. And okay. in other words, all right. No Not wonder. Like <laughs> no, no wonder Tom. No wonder hey, uh, Steve we... Ross wanted Tom Brady is bad enough to tamper. Yeah. 
But you know what? That just goes to show that when you get a quarterback who's on his game, when you get a quarterback who's on his game, like suddenly everything becomes possibility. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think Andy got stuck again. I think he was saying something, but like he's, it looks like he needs to drive home safely. If you ask me, uh, <laughs> it's like don't do, don't do, uh, don't do, don't, don't stream and drive, ladies and gentlemen. Don't stream and drive. Yeah, we we try to be safe in the network. I was just gonna ask, do we, can we agree that the only, the biggest obstacle we have besides ourselves would be Jason Sanders in a playoff game? Because I just have a really bad feeling we're gonna get hit like the Bears did. When their kicker missed an easy thirty yarder to win the game, I, that's I just, why that that's why you got to be up two touchdowns and never have your 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 kicker be a factor in any. You score of points games. on you score points in a hurry. You never have to worry about your kicker making issues. And all your defense has to do is just hold down the fort and just like maybe one or two drives. After that, just score points all the time. And we can do that now. That's the scary thing. We can do that now. <laughs> In a long time, I don't think I've ever seen an offense that can score like on command like this. At least not like that. Not unless I was like maybe during the twilight years of the Marino years, and I wasn't even aware of it while I was watching it. <laughs> the Miami Dolphins gonna surprise everyone and get Jason Sanders back on track by getting him, believe it or not, involved in the game with an early onside kick. That it, they're gonna convert, and he's gonna become a new man. That might be a bigger that might be a bigger prediction than the winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you're gonna do that, I got that, a question. Troy, if you're gonna do I got that, a question go for I got a question for Troy. Uh, Troy, you won yeah. you won you won Rookie of the Year. Do you remember who you beat out for the for the the trophy? Uh, let me see. Bo Jackson, Kristen Okoye, I think. Two of those guys, or one of those guys, Bo Jackson. That's who you beat out. Shall it be written? <laughs> Shall it be remembered? <laughs> I mean, yeah, hey. you got 36.9% of the vote, and Bo Jackson got 23.8% of the vote. I used to smoke Bo, you know? Bo knows. Bo knows. Bo don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> Troy knows. Troy knows. Troy knows. Troy I love knows. it. I love it. All right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and call it here. Thank you to everybody who's been watching all this time. Thank you to everybody who joined us. Michael Quirk, Jacob Michelle, Husam Patel, obviously Andy, um, Eric Wydeke. Who else am I missing? Of course, Ethan Skolnick. Troy, you came. Alfredo, you came. Donna was gonna come. I know he was. He just got caught up in traffic getting back from the radio station. He feels bad. So I'm hopefully we'll be able to do something like this another time. Maybe, maybe during the, maybe right before the playoffs start, we'll be able to do one more round table like this and be like, what are we expecting for the playoffs? Which uh, they are coming, ladies and gentlemen. I guarantee at this point, I'm willing to guarantee the playoffs are going to be a thing. So big thank you once again to our sponsor, Better's Edge, Lewis Peters, State Farm. Yes. I can't hear anything you're saying, dude. Uh, he froze. Oh, we'll do it by week, the wild card by week. Wild card by week. Well, if we win the division, then we don't have a wild card by week. 
Well, unless you have the one, the number one seed. If you have the one seed, you have a bye. And right. if not, you're playing that weekend, but, you know, you're playing at home. There you go. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, greasy flight. That's not Troy Vincent. That's Troy Stratford. <laughs> I got that the last show. <laughs> Troy, you need to put your last name on your thing. I am going to do that. That's all I'm saying. I'm better than Bo, and I look better than Troy. Listen, at least he at least he didn't mistake you for Troy Drayton. True, I'm too small for that. (laughs) Big Troy, little Troy. Yes, big Troy. So is Troy Vincent medium Troy? Probably so. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) he fits right between. Yes. Oh my gosh! All right. Yes, sponsors, Lewis Peters, Better's Edge, Price Picks, all the things. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. It has been a fantastic show. We will see you all next time. Everybody be good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.